0: Thank you. It's great to be sharing uh, the second part of our series together, looking in Romans. So we're in Romans 1, and we're going to look at verse 8 to 17 tonight. So we're going to look at seeing what God has to teach us through this. And let's read the passage together. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is is reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness, how I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way will be open for me to come to you, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might, I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among other Gentiles. I am obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. For For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. See, we just looked at our passage last week at First Romans verses 1 to 7, and that taught us about being servants. So it was changing our mindsets, going against the culture of the day, they were Romans. They were the dominant empire, but they had to choose to be servants to everybody around them, and that was totally countercultural. And we need to reevaluate ourselves to make sure that we're just not fitting into the culture around us. To make sure that we're uh, we're just not just doing things because everybody else is doing it, but that we know what we believe in and why we do what we do, because that's what we need to do. And if we put anything else in front of our faith in God, so if God doesn't take the most ultimate place in our life, the, the highest place, if he's not the ruler of our life, if you want to put it in name terms, we need to get rid of or forsake or repent of the things that we put in place of God and actually come to God with open hearts. When our, when our priorities are clear, We will follow God, and we will see many amazing things happen around us when we follow God with all that we have, whenever we just are sold out for God. Because you see, as the passage was saying, whether we like it or not, people look at your life. People watch your life. People are watching us in this church. People are watching whether we like it or not. We're going to have a reputation in this area, in this land, you as an individual, you have a reputation. The question is, do we live up to our reputation? Do we live up to the reputation we're meant to have? See, some see, I used to, whenever I was back in Northern Ireland, I had a really bad reputation as a womanizer. Because I yeah, because I went around whenever I was from about eighteen to twenty-one, it's only for a few years. I went around and I ended up getting a lot of female friends and I went from church to church basically checking out the talent. But that's what you do when you're young and dumb. You know, and that's what I did. So, but from the age of 21 to 25, I well, I'd stopped all the womanizing ways. I'd stopped running around. I'd only had one girlfriend for a few months in those 4 years. But yet I still had the reputation. See reputations can be made, and it takes a lifetime to change them. It takes a lifetime to change the reputation. And Paul was saying here to the Romans, I've heard about your reputation, and but you know what? Their reputation was actually really good. He was saying, I heard about your faith. I heard about the faith that you have, the beliefs that you have. I heard about how it's impacting your community. Because people from the day of Pentecost have went back, a few people, who were at the day of Pentecost whenever the Holy Spirit fell and they got converted, then went back and built the church from nothing. And the church in Rome was thriving. It was actually doing really well. And their faith was being recognized all over the world. So what reputation do you have? What reputations would you like to change? I know there's some stuff in all of us that we need to change. There's some stuff in all of us that we, that, that we were like, I wish people didn't know that about me, or I wish that didn't go ahead of me. And it's okay to be like glad. It's okay to be in them places, because you know what, God can do mighty things. In verse 8, we see that uh, the Romans were known for their faith. That's what it was said. But Paul hadn't visited them yet, and it was really on Paul's heart to visit them. As you see from the passage that we read, he had heard all about them and he had connected with the mission they had. He had connected with what they were doing. And the thing is, are we connecting our faith and our mission into the lives of the people around us and the people in this area? That's a big challenge that we all have. And are we praying for them? Because Paul was like, I can't be physically with them all the time, but you know what I can do? I can pray for them. I can intercede for them. I can actually talk to God on their behalf and say, God, help them. Help them be a good witness. Help them continue living a strong, faithful life. So who are we praying for? Who are you praying that you get opportunities with? That you can have opportunities to be a, influence them for good and, and not influence them, or, or not influence them at all? Because that's the options. Either we influence people for good or we don't touch their lives at all. And then they have no opportunities to actually hear the message that we have. You see, Paul just didn't leave it there. He actually went, okay, I can't be with them. So what am I going to do? I'm going to write a letter. And that's what we're reading today. We've read the letter that Paul wrote to the people in Rome who were meeting to worship Jesus. They were meeting to worship uh, worship, and they were Christians so he started dreaming and imagining, you know, what would it be like to be with them? What would it be like to actually minister alongside them? And he started saying, you know what, I can't wait till I get there to work alongside you so we can both be encouraged by what's happening. See, he had so much to give them that they didn't even, they didn't even know what all he had to give them. And this letter was only just a taster of what it was like for him to be in relationship with God. And he wanted to teach them what he had learned about God. See, sometimes what we can do is, we can actually learn so much about God, but we don't give it to anybody else. So in essence, we we become a bit of a glutton for the Word of God. And we learn so much about God, but because we don't give it to anybody else, we just sit and we, in essence, get fat on God's Word. And then we just want more and we want more. And yes, it's good to consume God's word. It's good to, to, to listen to the Bible and to the teachings because they're going to help us. But if it doesn't impact our lives and let everybody else know the teachings, it's pointless. We just, beca- we, we just become spiritually unhealthy because if all you do is take in but you don't give out anything, it's not very good. It wouldn't be very good if the best professors in the world, all they'd done was take, take, take in all this knowledge. Because as soon as they die, all that knowledge would die with them. They need ways of getting it out. The most learned people in the world are teachers. That's what they do. They impart their knowledge to others. And then as they gain knowledge, and they gain more knowledge from wider sources and wider varieties, and even learning it fresh, they grow, and then they pass it on to the next generation. That is how we as a species have evolved. That is how we as, a, as human beings, well, that's, why, that's why we have electric, that's why we have gas, that's why we have fuel, that's why we have cars, that's why we have even the chairs you're sitting on were designed by somebody who actually made chairs, and they made all different shapes and sizes of chairs until they found one that worked. And then they found that this was a really economical design, but really strong design. And that's why we bought these chairs that you're sitting on. Because somebody passed on the knowledge and passed on and the knowledge of chairs grew. But do we do the same with our knowledge of God? With what we know of God? Do we do the same? Or do we just think, oh, that just that's just for that little bit of my life? Or that's just for that's what we think, I'll get to that one day, or I'll 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 get there when I get there. That's, sometimes that's what we, we can think when we come to God and when we talk about God and we, we think, oh, I don't need to share that. That's just going to make the conversation really awkward if I say I actually believe in God and I say I actually have a faith. See, this, this passage teaches us that we're meant to invest in the people around us. And if we don't invest the knowledge that we have in the people around us, people will perish. Perish. And that's why we're meant to share, for their good, but then it's also for our good, because as we see them being built up, we are built up. It's a two-way street, because as you see somebody doing better, you get encouraged by them doing better, and encourage, uh, so it just encourages everybody, and mutually we all get stronger in our faith and stronger in our beliefs, because we see people comprehending the Word of God, the love of God, and the hope that God wants to give. God's got so much hope to give us, but because we don't share, we can't be encouraged by other people grasping it for the first time. Whenever you see somebody who's just grasped a hold of what it means that God loves me, whenever you see somebody that allows that to sink into their mind, that there's such a freedom and such a joy that comes over them because they know all the wrong they've done. They know all the mistakes they've made. And, but for them to know that all their mistakes have been washed away, all their mistakes have been forgiven, and all they had to do was ask, you know what? It fills them so full of joy. It should fill us full of joy whenever we see that. So even if you can't be involved directly in people's lives, we can still pray for them. We can still pray that God will work in their lives because, unfortunately, you don't live beside everybody that you're in contact with. But the thing is, with social media and with, um, with the way things are today, we can be in contact with anybody anywhere in the world at a drop of a hat. So I could pick this phone up now, well, my iPad even. I could pick my iPad up now and I could talk to somebody in Australia, in the, on the furthest side of the world. So we're in, a, we're in a very connected generation, but how are we going to use the connectivity that's available to us? Are we going to use it, or are we just going to think, oh, that's just, you know, that's not for me? The thing is, we can all use that. Now, obviously, it's not for everybody, and not everybody knows or understands or even likes the technology that's available. I'm not saying you have to use it. I'm saying, you know what, it's a tool that we can use for good. We can use all the things available to us for good or for bad. We can use everything for good or for bad, and that's why we need to make a choice today. This morning, we were ta- uh, whenever I shared, I shared about what do you put into your life because out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. So, whatever you put into your life is going to come. It's going to bubble out of your life. So. So, for instance, if all I ate was chocolate, it would yes, it would be amazing and beautiful, but would I be healthy? No. No, I would end up very unhealthy, and I would get sick very quick if all I ate was chocolate. That's why we need to have a good, healthy, balanced diet. And the same comes spiritually. We need to spiritually be healthy. We need to spiritually look after ourselves, because what we put into our lives will come out. So if you're abusing yourself and you're running yourself down and you have negative opinions of yourself, if you think, I can't talk to anybody about God because who am I to talk to them? That will come out in the way you talk to people. So even when you try to do that, because you've filled your life full of negative feelings about yourself, you actually won't have an impact because they won't see the belief in your life. That's why we need to look at what God says about us and not how sometimes how we feel about ourselves. We need to take them, take everything that God gives us and use it for good. We need to allow our lives to be an impact for good. See, we're not meant to shrink back from telling people because in verse 16, it warns us about our attitude towards this good news. It warns us about um, about being ashamed. Are we ashamed to believe in a God that loves us? Are we ashamed actually to tell our friends and family about a God that loves lamb? Do we even believe it ourselves sometimes? See, we cannot be ashamed of the good news because that's the power of of the of the salvation that we have. That's the power of of redemption of um, the love that God has for our lives. That's the power. That's the crux of our faith. It all relies on, in faith, believing what God says about us. That he came down to die for us. That even when we were still broken, even when we were still hurting, or as the Bible calls it, sin, whenever we were still sinners, he came down and died for us. See, why would we be ashamed of the greatest thing that we could ever learn, the greatest thing that we could ever have happened to us why would we be ashamed of that in Luke 9 it says for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words this is Jesus talking says whoever whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes into his glory and the glory of the father and the holy angels so basically what, he, what, what Jesus is saying there, whoever is ashamed of me, whoever's ashamed of, what I, of, of who I am and what I do, I'm going to be ashamed of them in front of my Father, in front of God the Father. Do you really want to bring a shame onto Jesus? Because Jesus sacrificed his life for us. So why would we want to, why would we want him to be ashamed of us? Why do we want him to be ashamed of of the choices that we've made, of the lifestyle that we've chosen? That's why we can't be ashamed of the good news. That's why we can't be ashamed of this good news, that Jesus died for lost people. Jesus died for the broken and the hurt and the lonely and the people who are just struggling. Jesus came so that we could have a life to the full. He didn't come to steal away from us. He didn't come to destroy us. That's the devil's job. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. But God wants to build us up. God wants to encourage us. God wants to encourage you tonight that he loves you and he cares for you. So we do, do we deny by our actions or even our lack of actions this love of God? We need to be careful because as we're outworking our faith, people will see God's power in us. Because God's power is going to be shown to the people around us. And that's how we're going to transform people's lives. Whenever we truly believe what we read in the Bible, that God says that his thoughts for you outnumber the grains of sand on a beach. For you. And, that's, and that goes for every single person. That's what the Bible says. Do we believe that God has a dream for our life? Do you believe that God dreams that, that dreams about your life and about the possibilities that you have for your life? That's what God does. God's power in us and working through us changes the world. That's what the Bible teaches. So whenever you truly believe that you're a child of God, that you're loved by God, and you come in and be part of the family of God, your life transforms everybody. Your life can transform everybody the world that you live in. And that's the power of God. That's the power of the good news. When we live out this good news, it's on display for everybody to see. That's got to be your mission. That's got to be my mission. That's got to be everybody's mission who chooses to believe what Jesus says about them. We're we're meant to be like the moon because the moon of itself is just a dark void object. But whenever the sun hits it, it reflects the beauty of the sun. And that's why we can see it in the night sky. Because all it does is reflect. All it does is show the glory of the sun, the the light shining from the sun. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to be the same. We're meant to allow God to impact our lives and allow people to see our lives as a reflection of who God is. The same as a coin, a coin without the queen's head on it. It's not a coin. You can just get lumps of metal in the, in the shape, but if it's not formed right, if it's not shaped right, if it's not shaped in the image of the queen, the sovereign, it's it's worthless. Well, it's not worth this, but it's not worth much. Whereas whenever it's got the queen's head on it, it's actually, it's full of worth. That's what we're meant to be like. We're meant to allow God to imprint his teachings and his love and his compassion in our lives so that other people can see that we have worth because of him, not because of us. Our lives are a canvas for God to work on. Are we letting God use the canvas of our lives for his good, or do we keep it to ourselves? Do we let him use us to display his goodness, his glory, his love, his compassion? I think we all need to be challenged by that, and by that thought, that how much are we allowing God to use our lives? Because whenever we allow God to use us, if you look at verse, in verse 17, it says that the righteous live by faith. We are meant to live lives of faith, lives where we risk, because faith means you don't know what's going to happen. We're meant to live lives where we risk looking foolish, So that God can do something amazing. And you know what? To the people who don't believe in the message and the love of God, it is foolishness. The Bible very clearly says that. It is foolishness to those who don't believe. But to us who do believe, it's the very crux of what we believe. It's everything that we need to believe. So if you do have a relationship with God tonight, I want to encourage you, go deeper in it. Go deeper into it. Open up your heart and open up your lives in ways that you haven't before. Ask God to use you in ways he hasn't before because God will want to use you. God does want to use you to impact this world for good. And if you don't yet know God tonight, don't leave here without knowing him. Don't leave here without being in a relationship with him. If you want to know more, come and talk to myself or Cynthia or talk to anybody. Just just start talking about it. Start asking the questions that you're wrestling with. Because that's what we're meant to do. We're not, we're not here tonight because we have it all figured out. We're here tonight because we know we're broken and we know we need the love of this God. We know we need the love of God to fill our lives. Let's just pray together. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you, God, that you loved us before we even could comprehend that your love existed. So God, we thank you for this love. We thank you, God, that you do not judge us, God, but you choose to accept us and forgive us for all the wrong things we've ever done. And all we have to do is say yes to this free gift. So God, just be with us tonight. Be with us as we just um, just share your love with others this week, God, because we don't want to be ashamed of the best news we've ever heard. So God, give us the strength to stand up and say, I know the love of God, and I know that Jesus loves me, even though I don't deserve it. So God, thank you for that love, and help us live it every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.